Hey, hello, folks. Welcome to another special edition of Next on the T. Today, I'm going to be joined by PGA Tour legend Tom Pertzer. Very privileged to say that Tom has become a wonderful friend over the last couple of years. It's always so much fun when he has been a part of the show. With the Waste Management Open being this past weekend, and Tom not only living out there, but also having played his college golf at Arizona State and winning that tournament in 1984, I really wanted to get his perspective on what it's like being out on the grounds of TPC Scottsdale. And he graciously agreed to come back and share his stories and insights with us. So today I am privileged to have Tom Pertzer back as part of the show. Hey, Tom, thanks for coming back and joining me. Hey, Chris, how you doing? I'm fantastic, my friend. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. So, Tom, the, the WM Open looks like just an unbelievably crazy event. We don't see another tournament like it anywhere on any of the professional tours, outside of maybe when the Ryder Cup is played. But what is it like being out there on those grounds? <laughs> it's it's crazy. It is absolutely nuts. I'm kind of surprised the players are okay with a lot of the shenanigans that go on. Um, you know, there's just so much yelling and um you know they try and do it not while they're swinging but every once in a while you'll get a couple guys that uh that do it while they're swinging so i would it, it would be annoying if if you played but i think the guys now they're they're used to it and and a lot of them kind of um kind of encourage it and and that's what's kind of interesting to me um you know, we used to have, we used to have guys that just kind of some of the old grumpy guys that we had on tour, you know, they, if somebody would say something while they're playing, they'd come over to them and they'd go, you see that ticket right there? Is that, is that a talking ticket? <laughs> you know? Or, or uh, another guy, um, uh, um, Ken Still, who was a good, good guy from, from the Pacific North, Northwest. And he was a pretty funny guy. And he would, you know, if somebody was making noise or whatever, he'd he'd come over to him and he'd go, say, uh, do you know my aunt and uncle, uh, Stan and B? It's Stan and B still. <laughs> so, I mean, I think I, I think the older guys, I don't know that the older guys would appreciate the Phoenix Open, but, you know, the Thunderbirds have done a really good job in making it what it is. And, um it's, it's like you said, it's one of a kind. I don't, I don't remember, you know, and I don't, I watch some stuff on TV. I watch some tournaments on TV and I don't ever see what happens at the Phoenix open anywhere else. So it's, it's unique. Um, and it's a, a one of a kind daily. And, you know, I don't know. I think it's probably good for golf. I mean, they get so many people to come out. It's incredible. And speaking of so many people, Tom, we've seen the videos of the crowds lined up at the gates starting very early in the mornings. And then there's a, a mad dash. And I'm guessing the, that mad dash is to 16 when those gates open up. But what I'm afraid of is someone's going to get trampled one day because it looks like the start of the New York Marathon when those gates open up. Have you been out there when they've opened those gates? No, but I have seen. I've seen some videos. A friend of mine took a video the other day and uh, he had it on, on the internet and stuff. And it, it is, it's a mad dash. And, and the thing about it is it's, if you're, 
if you're not in very good shape, you have no chance of getting a good seat because it's all the young, young people are, you know, they're running, they're, they're in a full sprint. And I would say it's probably, I don't, maybe not a half mile, but it's pretty close to a half mile from the gate where, where that gate opens to get over to 16. So it's, it's a, it's a good little bit. And I'm surprised there's not a heart attack or something. (laughs) But um, yeah, I've seen, I've seen the replays of it and it's pretty interesting. It's, it's, it's a mad dash. It really is. And it starts, the, the gates open at six o'clock. And I I heard a a deal on, I think one of the announcers on TV said that there was somebody in line uh, for um, the, the Saturday show uh, Saturday's round at one o'clock in the morning. So hi. Yeah. So it's, it's nuts, but, um, you know, the, the, the people love that 16th hole. It's, it's incredible. Tom, like I mentioned, you won the tournament in 84 and we're going to talk about that in detail in just a minute. They didn't add the stadium to 16 until 87. Can you imagine if you had been coming down the stretch in 84, battling it out like you were with Corey Pavin? And then teeing it up on 16 in that atmosphere, how would that have changed things? Do you think, if at all, it would have certainly there. There would have, it would have been an added element to the to the excitement of you know just trying to finish up a round. Um, it it started my let's see my last year I played there in 2001, and they didn't have the three levels. I think they had maybe just one level or they might've had two levels, but you know, you, you get to where you, you don't dare say anything back. You know, if somebody gets on you for saying something, you do not, no way, shape or form. Do you go back at them with anything? Because they remember, I've, I've seen it happen a few to a few guys and they remember. And, and so every time you play that hole, there will be a bunch of guys that get on you way worse than ever before. So you can't, you, you know, nobody can afford to say anything back to the to people in the, in the gallery. Um, you know, but like I said earlier, I think a lot of the guys now, they kind of embrace it. They know it's going to happen and they kind of prepare for it. Um, you know, I would think, Shoot, I remember playing when I was playing my last few years. I, I would start thinking on it, uh, thinking about it on about the 14th hole. To your point, Tom, the fans are getting pretty liquored up and rowdy by late in the afternoon each day. Players are not only getting showered with cheers or booze, depending on how well they hit their tee shots, but they're also getting showered with beer, cups, water bottles. I know tournament officials have taken steps to no longer sell beer in bottles and cans. They pour it into a plastic cup now, but those came flying out of the stands this year, plus water bottles. Is there more work to be done in order to contain the crowds, or do you think they want to keep a measured amount of that? Um, no, I think there needs to be work. I mean, somebody's going to get somebody's going to get injured. You know, somebody's going to get a cup and hit, you know they're going to get hit in the head with a cup or something. And you know, it it happened again this year. Um, they they tried their best. They they had a little. Um, they made some announcements and, and some, uh, print media about, you know, respect the game, respect your, the players, uh, this and that. And I don't think it lasted very long. And, and like you said, it all depends on 
you know, how much, how many beers are sold? You know, I, I don't know that you saw the TV, uh, saw it on TV, but that there was a thing that looked like a snake um, in, in the, up in the gallery. And it was actually a, a whole, all the cups, all the beer cups, they put them all in a, you know, stacked them in together. Yeah. And I been, I don't know, a hundred feet long or something, but oh my. It, yeah, it was crazy. It looked like a snake up there, <laughs> but, um, you know, I was out there. The, the, the trouble with having that many people like on a Saturday, I don't know how many people they won't, they won't say how, how many they have on Saturdays anymore, but it used to be over, over 200,000 uh, people came out to watch. The, the problem with it is you don't get to see many golf shots. Um, you know, the, it's two or three deep, um, kind of on every shot. You know, I went out and I, I watched, uh, I wanted to go out and see Rory and, 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 uh, JT play and, um, some other guys, Scotty Scheffler and stuff. And it, it was really hard to, to see golf shots, but, um, I'm just, I'm just amazed at how good these players are. Um, how, how you know, I think the instructions gotten better. Um, and, and I think they're physically, they're more kids, um, are, are, are physically, um, in better shape than they were, you know, when I started playing. So, you know, I think it was, uh, it was fun to go out and see, I got a bunch of videos of, uh, some guys swings and stuff. So that was the fun part for me. Tom, with all the attention being focused on 16, I'm sure there's a lot of other great golf holes out there at TPC Scottsdale. What are some of the other aspects of the tournament that we don't get an appreciation for by just watching it on television? Um, good question. You, you miss a few, you know, now they're, they're, they're filming. I mean, they're, they're doing TV on pretty much every hole. So you get to see all the holes and, and, you know, when Tom, um, when Tom designed the golf course, he had no idea that guys were going to be hitting at 350 yards. So that's a little, and, and really there's not much they can do in, in terms of lengthening holes. Um, so it's not really the golf course that Tom designed. Um, it's, there's so many, you know, driver you know, pitching wedges, sand wedges, par fours, that it's just, it's not the same course that Tom designed. And it's a little bit, you know, I think um, it's, it's a little bit disappointing um, to see where these, where the guys hit it. Like the 10th tee is a, is a dog leg right. And there were guys that were cutting the corner and having, you know, 40, 50 yards left into a, uh, 400 yard par four. Wow. Uh, so it's, you know, it's a different game. Um, there's some great, really good holes out there driving. The 11th hole is really a good driving hole. There's water left. Um, and I think they said there were 25 or 30 guys that hit it in the water. Um, I think maybe on not maybe on the Saturday or the last day, what was nice this year is that they had a little bit of wind almost every day. Um, and I think that's why the scores were, uh, where they were, you know, usually it's a slug fest. Usually it's a, 
you know, champ the the winners 20, 20, 25 under uh, for um, for the tournament. And this year they had a little bit of wind, which makes you know harder to get in the fairway and harder to hit the greens. Greens are not big greens, so any kind of wind makes them a little diff- a little more difficult. When you're speaking of Tom, you're of course speaking of Tom Weiskopf, who was a contemporary of yours out on the PGA Tour. Did you get any time to spend with him out on the golf course talking about the layout or the design or how it was playing? Did you get to talk to him about that sort of thing? The one thing I I would tell him when I when we talked is 18th hole needs to be a little a little tougher hole, right? Because you know, you could see you could see that what was going to happen was guys were going to be able to hit it over that the water wasn't going to come into play, which it doesn't really come into play now. Um, when, when we first started playing there, the water definitely came into play. It was a much tougher driving hole. Um, and, and I, I would, I told him there, if you move the T over one way further to the, uh, East, which would be to the, uh, golfers right um it would make a little different um, um the the look of the hole would be a little different and it would be you wouldn't be so much hitting away from the water as you are now you'd be hitting more towards kind of towards it so but no i, I didn't you know he he had a great knack of as a as that's why i think Weisskopf and Morris were such a good team because Jay was the nuts and bolts guy and, and Tom was the, he had the imagination, he had the creativity and, um, he was so good at that. So yeah, if I ever, I I would never make any comments to Tom about any of his golf courses. I thought he did it. He always did a great job. And, um, I, I, I really enjoyed playing, um, his golf courses. Going back to when you won in 1984, beating Corey Pavin by a stroke, you didn't get to have the pleasure of having a leisurely stroll up 18, but you pulled off one of the all-time great long bunker shots to win a golf tournament. You hit a 60-foot bunker shot to within a foot or so on 18, then made the birdie putt to win by one. Take us through that last hole. Well, yeah, I was, you know, it had been, Oh, what four or five years since I had won, and so um, yeah, I was pretty nervous, and and also being just because I grew up in Phoenix, I was pretty nervous about it. Um, so I, the 18th hole is a par five, uh, water second shot on the, uh, you had water on the right on your second shot, and um, I, I so I kind of pulled my tee shot a little bit, um, and I think. I think I had some tree issues. Um, so I just laid up, I tried to lay up just in front of the green and I hit it a little bit better than I thought I was going to. So it got all the way into this bunker and, um, I knew that I needed to make a birdie. So I, I, you know, you, you kind of go, well, this is it, you know, hit you a good shot and you got a chance at winning. And, um, I was a pretty good bunker player back then, so I was pretty uh, pretty confident that I was going to, you know, be able to just make sure that I had a putt for a birdie. You know, that's that's kind of what I was thinking going into the bunker. I said, just give yourself a chance to make, you know, to to give yourself a chance to make a putt. 
And um, yeah, I hit a really good bunker shot. I wish it would have only been about a foot, but it was actually about three feet. You know, it's one of those knee knockers, those three footers that where you, you should be able to make pretty much all of them, but under the circumstances, it was a little different. And I actually got up over the putt and uh, I, I must have had a few uh, odd thoughts, but uh, so I, I had to step away um, and kind of collect my thoughts and then uh, got up and, and made the putt. Um, so it was it was it was fun. It was nice because my parents got to see it. And, you know, a lot of my friends uh, from that lived in Phoenix. So it, it was, you know, I, I would probably one of the uh, most memorable uh, tournaments that I won just because it was in my hometown. You talk about being nervous because you did. You had the added dimension of playing in front, I'm sure, of a bunch of friends and family and the, and the home crowd. And did you feel added pressure coming down the stretch, knowing that every all the eyes were, were really on you? Or did that actually fuel you a little bit, give you a little extra adrenaline to get you over the finish line? It, uh, it both, both, Chris. I, it did give me a little, um, did give me a little adrenaline, you know, it pumped me up a little bit thinking, man, this is my hometown, you know, this is, um, this can be great. Uh, you know, if you could win this would be great, you know, but at the same time, it, it does put a little bit more pressure on you. And, you know, I was able to, I was able to kind of put that once I got up over the shots I was hitting, I kind of had put that off. Uh, I didn't really think much about it, but um, it, yeah, you kind of did. It was kind of funny. I had a, I, I usually would do a kid's clinic at the tournament, like on a, um, might've been on a two. And so I had one little kid, he goes, Hey, if, you know, he, I was doing the clinic and he goes, Hey, if you're so good, how come you haven't won this tournament? And it was a year, <laughs> year before I won. So, um, I thought, well, you know, I just haven't, haven't gotten that, haven't gotten that good yet or something. I said something back to him. So the next year I did the clinic again and I looked for this kid and sure enough, he was there. And I, I I gave him a little grief about it, but, uh, (laughs) uh, so I mean, you know, you just, there's a lot of fun stuff that you remember about, um, you know, winning in your backyard. Speaking of the fun stuff. You're coming down the stretch. You're trying to catch Corey Pavin, who led through the first three rounds of the tournament. You started the day two back. Pavin's just a kid at the time. He's 24, playing in only his second event as an official PGA Tour player. You get to 14. You sink a 25-foot birdie putt to cut the lead to one. Then you hit a four iron on the 204-yard par 3 15th to 15 feet. You make that putt to tie for the lead. Is the hair standing up on the back of your neck at that point when the putt goes in? Take us through what was that like? Yeah, it. You know, again, it's a double-edged sword. You're you're so excited um, that that you know you've just made two birdies and you're back in the game. Uh, so you're a little bit. You try and that's that's when you kind of got to get in back into your pre-shot routine, you know, and just kind of go through the the idea of what you really want to do, what you really want to have happen. You, you try and, you try and take the, the anxiousness out of it by thinking about your next shot. Um, but boy, when, you know, 
I made, you know, because I made two pretty good putts for me, and that was a little bit unusual. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, you just, you just, you get, you, your mind starts messing with you. You know, you go, oh, man, it would be great to win here, you know, and this and that. And, you know, that's kind of counterproductive to hitting good shots. So you, you've got to get, kind of get that out of your mind and, and just go back to hit, try and hitting good shots. Tom, I read that you said at the time that you always had two dreams. You wanted to win the U.S. Open and you wanted to win the Phoenix Open. When you pulled off that bunker shot and tapped in for birdie, what did it feel like to put a check mark in one of those boxes? You know, I had I had two really good chances at winning the Open, 77 and 79. Those were my you know first couple, three or four years out. And you know, I, I go back to thinking, because I really had good good chances at winning, and I remember there was a there was a movie that uh, uh, Belushi, not um, the actor Belushi, he did a movie about I think it was called Three Thousand Hits or Three Th- Something, but it's where he was he was playing and he they had he he, he was in the perfect position like to make get a hit and if he would have gotten a hit they would have won the world series or they would have won some big event and how his life changed from that point on and i go i I go back and i think about that you know if i was a if i would have been able to win one of those uh u.s opens it would have you know would my career have totally taken a, a different turn and you know it's just kind of fun to think about stuff like that but uh the the u.s open was always the most important tournament for me just because it was the national championship but um you know i had my chances early and and i didn't really i had a couple decent showings after that but uh those were those were the two big years the 77 79 but yeah that i i mean that and then making a Ryder cup team was, was always a, um, you know, a goal, but I never did accomplish that one either. But anyway, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm okay with my, with my career. Uh, you know, obviously could have been a lot better. Um, but you know, it is what it is. But you got to put a check mark in the box for one of those major goals. You, when you tap in for that birdie putt on 18 and you win the Phoenix Open, big check mark in that box, that had to make you feel pretty good. Yeah, it was, you know, like you said, it was a, it was definitely a goal of mine to win in Phoenix. And, and um, you know, I hadn't won in a few years, so that made it extra special too. So, uh, I, you know, just just the, all the all the things about winning in your backyard makes is is pretty cool. Tom, you're one of the great instructors in the game now. Let our listeners know about your academy and how they can stay up to date with you. Well, my my brother and I've got a, you know, I I like I like doing some teaching. Um, we're we've got a, a golf school. Uh, my brother and I has have a golf school here in Scottsdale, and um, it's it's kicking back up. You know, the COVID kind of shut everything down for a while, but we're seeing some more interest in and doing some golf schools and stuff. So yeah, it's been fun. I, I really enjoy teaching. I've got a couple young, um, 
young pros that I'm I'm helping. Um, and you know, it's fun. It's it it gets it keeps your hand in the game. And you know, you go back and you kind of think of stuff that you would have done different when uh, when I was playing. So um, it's been fun. I enjoy doing it, um, and it's uh, it it gives me some some worth. Tom, how can we follow you, whether it's uh, online or it's on social media? I'm on Instagram. I got off of Twitter for a while. Back now, I'm back on it. So yeah, I'm, I'm I've got both of those and uh, Facebook. I've got a lot of friends on Facebook, and um, so I do a lot of a lot of stuff on Facebook. Well, Tom, I can't thank you enough for taking a few minutes out of your afternoon to come on and talk about the WM Open and your experiences there. You're outstanding, my friend. I can't thank you enough for being so kind to me over the last few years and being a part of the show. I hope we get the privilege of having you back on again soon. Well, thanks for having me on, Chris. You know, uh, you know how much I like you and you're the best at what you do. So uh, it's always a privilege to come on your show. Well, I thank you very much, Tom. Take care. All the best to you and your family. We'll do it again soon. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Tom. That is the great Tom Pertzer, five-time winner on the PGA Tour, won four more times over on the Champions Tour. In all, 15 professional wins, and now one of the great instructors in the game and just one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. I really appreciate Tom's time. I, I, I've loved getting to know him over the last couple of years. So grateful that he has been a part of the show. Makes it better every single time he joins me. I'm looking forward to catching up with him again very soon. All right, my friends, that's going to put a bow on this special edition of Next on the Tee. Please stay up to date with what we're doing. We'll be kicking off season number 10 here in just a couple of weeks. Go online to nextonthetee.net. We'll be updating what our guest schedule looks like, and then we'll have so much more content for you this year. I'm very excited about season number 10. It's going to be a very exciting season with old friends and new friends and so much great content. I hope you'll stay a part of the show and stay up to date with what we're doing. You can find the show available as a podcast on just about every podcasting site that's out there. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're on that site. Just type in Next on the T in the search bar. You'll find us on there as well. Folks, I can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to this special segment of the show. Looking forward to catching up with you all again soon. Until then, hit them straight, my friends.